Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who is in Aretha. Coming up on today's show, August is Hair Loss Awareness Month, a subject very close to my heart. I've written about this lots. You can Google it in the Daily Mail. But broadly speaking, it's estimated that 50% of women will be affected by hair loss at some point in their life. And many of us suffer. Well, I don't suffer in silence, but many do. So this week, we're going to be talking to two people who will explain how and why people are affected and what can be done to remedy the problem. But Imogen, you don't have any problems with your hair. You've always had fabulous hair. Oh, well, actually, looking at it today looks quite rubbish. That's because you're in Ibiza and so therefore it's gone, you know, it's in the sun. Yes, it's bleached. It's bleached. It's bleached. It's hot here. It's 40 degrees. Good goof. Good goof. I know. And people are quite crabby. Yes, I'm not There's surprised. There's a lot of sort of fisticuffs. No, I'm lying. There's just, everyone's quite grumpy, I think. <laughs> that is grumpy heat. That is definitely grumpy heat. Yes, but your daughter's here too. I've, I've yet to see her on the beach. No, she is. She's lounging around on some terrace somewhere. She sent me a very funny picture yesterday or the day before where she was trying to watch David Attenborough on her computer while she was sunbathing. So she built a little cave for the computer out of a cardboard box. Oh, that's and hilarious. And put the computer in. So it, had, so it had its own little sort of, I don't know, little enclosed bit so she could watch it. It was quite funny. That's hilarious. Um, well, but yeah, she did sun tanning her shins at the same time. Well, sun tanning her shins, yeah. I mean, she did say she's very, very, very hot. I wouldn't like 40 degrees. No, you'd be really cross. Yeah, I would. Don't you just sit in the pool all day long? Well, um, yeah, well, yes, yes. There's a lot of pool, but yes, it is. But it's that sort of, you can't think with the heat like that. And it's humid. Yeah, there's a lot of people walking over their mouths slightly hanging open. There's no conversation to be had. No conversation to be had and everyone just drinks too much. Obviously, yes, yes. <laughs> but I haven't not had anything to drink today, by the way. Well, but not yet, anyway. Not yet. Yeah, not yet, no. And there's still time. Yes. Anyway, so we're going to start straight away with Lucinda. You and I both know Lucinda Ellery. I do, yes. She's an absolute hoot. I love her. An absolute lifesaver. Yeah. And then we're going to be joined by someone called Kelly Morrill, who runs a sort of slightly more kind of medical company that does solutions for hair loss. So let's start by talking to Lucinda. She's been in this business of helping people who lose their hair like me since 1984. She even has a salon in Beverly Hills, so no one knows more about this, the Lucinda, and we're so delighted to have her in the studio. Hello, Lucinda. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. No, it's a joy. So I came to you, I think it was probably about 10 or 11 years ago. I think it was, yes. yes. And my hair loss, which has always dogged me throughout my entire life, which started when I was 16, had got to the stage where it was sort of hopeless. It didn't matter which way I positioned the numbered hairs by now they had their own individual numbers on my head I couldn't really cover up the fact that there were only about 27 of them I do remember that stage very well you were absolutely at your wits end yeah. I think do you remember I, yeah I, really, I'd had my second really child and it had all yeah. fallen out oh my goodness. which I think yes. is quite a common experience for women with hair loss it is and when I was pregnant it all stayed in. Well, yeah. it doesn't come out when you're pregnant. Yeah. And so you have a double load of hair. Yes. So well, and that, well, in my case, I didn't have a double load, but I just had a sort of normal load. <laughs> and then mm. when it all, when I when I stopped, it was actually when I stopped breastfeeding. It just literally, it just fell out in sort of clumps. Anyway, I went to a party and 
someone sent me a photograph of me at the party afterwards and I just looked like my dad in drag. Oh Sarah, <laughs> you do have a brilliant sense of humour. We must own that. And I thought... I also remember you, Sarah, always trying to find a scarf to fit your head yeah. and a hat or something. And, you know, if there was wind... You hated going out in certain weather. I'd never go in a soft top really car, upsetting. which was always my dream. I hated rain. it if it rained. Rain oh. was a nightmare because if you do, if you yeah. use those coloured powders as I did yeah. a bit, then it all starts pouring down your head. And then you look like that scene in Death in Venice. Do you remember when he's oh. walking through the streets and all his makeup's coming down? Was that Giulio Galliani or whatever his name is yes. <laughs> pouring down? Exactly. So anyway, someone said to me, go and see this lady called Lucinda Ellery and she'll sort you out. So I turned up at Lucinda and it was all such a mystery because what you do is a bit of a mystery. It's a bit sort of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> but at those days, it was still very much a sort of avant. It was, it was still very, un- you basically were doing hair extensions, but you were doing them in a way to cover the sort of bald patches on ladies' yes. heads. I've always just called my work hair extensions, extensions of hair. Mm. And we've gone beyond that to actually making, well, we make everything by hand. Mm. And we've gone into freewares for girls that don't have a single hair. Mm. And you could blow it in a fan. And, and it still wouldn't, it still you still wouldn't, wouldn't move. See. You could wash, brush, set, dress, swim, shower. It's mm. a miracle. So tell me why you started doing this and when and how. Tell I've us always, your story. always been obsessed with hair, which was most unfortunate, really, in some ways, because... When I was very young, I dropped a clump of hair down. You know, it just swept away over my right ear. Mm. And uh, in my mind, it was the end of the world at the time. Mm. And it wasn't until... So that was alopecia? Yeah, alopecia yeah. areata. Yeah, OK. And, you know, some people lose a lot and it never comes back. Mm. That's mm. totalis. But my hair sort of came out in patches over a period of time. How old were you? Ten very young and yeah. very young and over a period of time and it would come back in patches of completely different hair wasn't anything like the same hair really? no oh it was completely different i had very what, soft, a different color and texture yeah color and texture my hair was pretty uh-huh. dark and it would come back a sort of brownie gingery and ball of frizz and you'd have to sep- you know, pull it apart and separate it. God, if it got locked into, it was like dreadlocks. It was really the weirdest hair. I've never seen hair like it, ever, to this day. <laughs> so if I blow dry it, when I don't, I'm obviously full of hair. That, that It is mine. I've bought and paid for it, but it had a donor <laughs> at some point. And, uh, you know, it will fan out mm. and look huge. Mm. And then if you have a light behind me, you see straight through yeah. it, yeah. like feathers. So yeah. it's really strange hair. But then it came back. Yes. And then when you were older, when did you start doing this? Well, I had, well, gosh, I wore wigs for 23 years. Mm. That was the customary Christmas present because mm. they were very expensive. And I remember getting a job at 14 years old and saving every single penny for years for such a long time because I was peeling potatoes in Woolworths and it took a long time to earn one pound ten shillings but I eventually got to 70 pounds and bought a real hair wig it was like a box with hair on it you know there was a lot you could knock on them and it was like knocking on wood <laughs> and they didn't fit really but and, and of course I was a master of wearing the scarves yes uh, absolutely the best and luckily uh, they were kind of in if you remember yes, right I do, yeah. old scarves. So you yeah. could cover the front and wear the tie down the side and look Tray chic. Yes. Well, of course, you must be very pretty because you are very pretty now. So oh, you must be an extremely you. pretty. You don't <laughs> right, feel no. it. When it doesn't no, matter. You don't feel Lucinda, it. No. Lucinda, can I ask you, 
Is it hot wearing a wig like it's, that? It's well, worse. It's itchy. It's, mm. And it's terrible. Right. Because if you're itching and there's somebody around, you just dare itch because otherwise it will go all over the mm. place and it's a bit of a dig away. But see, that's the difficulty that I found with it wigs because I tried a wig and it was horribly itchy. Mm-hmm. But the reason I think it was so itchy was because my hair... I, I mean, I do have hair. It's just incredibly you've actually sparse. Got, yeah, no, you've got a lot of hair, so yeah. it's just sparse in the crown area. Exactly. So it was like, it was sort of the worst of two worlds. It was like wearing a sort of fur coat over your hair. But you, <laughs> if, you know, if, if I'd been bald, if I'd been sort of, you know, shiny and bald, mm. then it would have, in a funny way, been easier, I think, for me. Because mm. I, I think it was the fact that I had some hair that made it so it, difficult. But it, that's it what's harsh. so great about your system is that it allows women who have got that, because 50% of women experience hair loss, is that not yes, right? And 30% yes, yes. have quite serious hair loss, yes, like me. Yes. And and we cover it up probably much better than the boys, I think. Oh, yes. Generally speaking. But um, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> generally speaking, but I think a, a lot of women suffer from that sort of general sinning, don't they? They don't so much have a receding hairline. No, but generally throughout your life anyway, mm. your hair fines down Mm. and it's quite alarming for girls who've got super thick hair Mm. because they then suddenly feel you know gosh look at that they they might even see a photograph from five years or six years Mm. ago and go oh Mm. gosh I've lost all my hair look at this look at my hair five Mm. years ago and I or six years ago and I say well it does that you know anyway and it is incredibly aging it's like having bad teeth having bad hair makes you just look incredibly old doesn't it but my hair started falling out when I was literally 16 and I remember I remember terrible age well like you and I noticed it myself and then people started saying things in school like your parting's getting really big and all that kind of stuff. As if you didn't know. As if I didn't know. Mm. People would come up to me and say, do you realise your hair is really thin? No, I had no idea. Gosh, thank you for telling me. I hadn't. Yes, exactly. And, you know, people used to touch it as well. Do you remember Imogen at one point someone came up and Slapped. Oh, somebody sort of, well, that's that very patronising male thing to do anyway is to fluff the top of somebody's head. Mm. Is that what you do to little children? Mm. i tell you where it was. It was Downing Street mm. and somebody fluffed the top of your head and you absolutely could not cope with it oh, at all. Terrible thing it was to do. really awful. Mm. No, because I probably spent about seven hours arranging it all. Yes. 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 <laughs> you and and gluing it all together with hair, it all together. hair Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, there are lots of options. I mean, I tried all the options, but eventually I think you run out of road a lot of the time with hair, don't there you? There wasn't very many options at the time. When you were young. No. no. And not even when you were, to no. be honest. It was wigs and that was it. Yeah. And you'd go to the doctor. Did you go to the doctor? Because I went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, it's male pattern baldness. There's nothing I can do about and it. And it's not the right word. It's and female you just think, pattern hair can, loss. Can I, can I not be <laughs> male pattern, please? Could it just be female pattern? <laughs> It is. I changed the name of that mm. because I did a lot of articles in newspapers. Mm. Uh, you were one of them. And I back 50 years ago, I said, it's not male pattern baldness. I said, it's female pattern hair loss because mm. the only thing that is the same is the area but the actual hair loss is not the same mm. at all and I said so I used to say female pattern hair loss hitherto known as male pattern balding yeah. you know something like what's that. the difference between the two Lucinda? well for a start of women there are some you know that go completely but very often even with the finest hair down we can keep a frame somehow mm, hairline and, keep the hairline, yeah we do yeah. keep a hairline you know so that part just behind the hairline can just be gone and you've got backhoe in the hairline to try and cover over it. Whereas men don't really recede like that. 
they usually start at the the crown at the mm. back of their heads mm. and it creeps forward mm. and they're left with a ring of hair mm. on average. Mm. And so now it's so cool to shave it all off, mm. you know, the world and their mother. Mm. It doesn't look the same as a, a male baton balding. It doesn't look the mm. same at all. Female baton hair loss has different features completely. The only similarity is a similar sight. And are the reasons the same, though, is it? Androgenic. It's not necessarily to do with testosterone or anything else. I personally think it's possibly in your DNA somehow Mm. because Mm. I know it runs in families. Mm. And so I feel... Yes, my grandmother had very, very thin hair when she used to wear it very long and pile it all on yes. top of her head. That's often, yes. a, often a I think solution. it's one of the reasons I've never cut my hair. Or yeah. the dye a mermaid, just yeah. in case. <laughs> just in case, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think I'd quite like to talk a little bit about the psychological effects of hair loss because, Lucinda, you do a bit of charity work around trichotillomania, don't you? I do. Tell us about that. Oh, it's my favourite subject. Oh. I find the women extraordinary. Trichotillomania is a compulsion to pull out your hair. Mm. And once you've felt it maybe once, that can be it. And you can take the whole lot out. There's variations of it. There's trichophagia where you eat the hair. And they have terrible names for things like that, like ratafenia. I remember reading about this lovely girl who, who died basically at 18, and that was about 30 years ago. And I wanted to get hold of her mother and say, oh, my goodness, I wish I'd known I would have helped, you know. But then I thought, no, that would be awfully cruel. So how do you help people with trichotillomania? In a nutshell, well, if you change the way you think, you change the way you respond to your world, you feel different and you look it. And it's about getting rid of the huge amount of shame that people carry around. uh, You know, you know how terrible it is just to to lose hair. And I say that not in a light way. But to actually feel that you're utterly responsible for this and that you're a freak and that you're mentally challenged. It's all rubbish, all of it. It's just not... not, uh, So I sort of go towards meditation, more to recognising the body as a whole bunch of organical chemicals, according to science, and that our thought space is a completely different area. So to access your consciousness there, meditate, learn to handle things, and certainly not have shame. don't mean you should go around telling the whole world and their mother. But you you also offer a practical solution, which is that... This helps a lot. So what what do you do? Well, the practical solution is, is the way that the actual interlace is integrated to your own hair sort of you lift each hair through the strand through a very very fine mesh mm. that's breathable mm. and that grows with you yes and uh, you know so you can cover the affected you area can totally and allow cover it. it to grow back and, well it's not so much that it's it's not it's just not very easy access yes if you it's like it's quite hard to pull your hair yes, out it's when quite it's hard to it is. yes it's yeah. very difficult too and it's a bit like, you know, when it first goes in, it's a bit like wiring your teeth mm. if you're trying to lose weight. Back in the day, people did that sort of thing. <laughs> and rather like that, or wearing fake nails to grow your nails out, the acrylics. Because mm. I used to chew my nails completely off. Mm. I used to scrape them with the bottom of my teeth. And my I remember my father saying they looked like monkey's fingers. And by the time I... It's a long story how I ended up having acrylics. I was modelling for somebody. They were that bad. Mm. <laughs> she said, I can do something. And I had little, little blobs on my mm. fingers. Mm. And I thought, oh. And it really did make a big difference. So... Yeah, it guards it. But more than that, and, and that's no cure. It's not a cure-all. You know, you can lock your interlace into position, but it does grow. And, of mm. course, you get quite dexterous mm. with it and so forth. So it doesn't stop you if you're going to get in there. You can. Mm. People can cut it off, you know, mm. and get to their hair if the impulse is overwhelming. Mm. But uh, it also 
stops that awful feeling of somebody identifying that you've got issues, mm. you know, at the workplace mm. or the partners you might choose. Or one young girl said that she used to freak out. She used to have to wait. She had to know when she was going to the loo in the night mm. and she'd have to get her scarf on and tie it all up so that in case she bumped into one mm. of the other, you know, residents in the house and used to freak her. She she said, I'd rather wet my bed, mm. which, you know, you felt sorry Well, it's that. very interesting because, you know, I find that people can be incredibly cruel about female hair loss. I mean, people, I mean, I remember a boyfriend saying to me, or not a boyfriend, but yes, a boyfriend saying to me, well, you know, you know, I'd go out with you properly, but, you know, you're bald, so I can't. And it's, you know, it did, it, when I was young, a lucky it really escape, did, Sarah. well, of course, but Gosh. it really did affect. Yes, he sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah. But it really did affect a lot of my Emotional responses to people yeah. and situations. Well, you do come across these ghastly individuals. Yeah, but I mean, it was Terrible embarrassing. Thing. And you talk about shame. You know, you always used to feel incredibly ashamed. Like if I, if I went, you know, I didn't go to nightclub, probably just as well. I mean, because I would have only got up to no good. But I never used to go to nightclubs <laughs> when I was young, unlike Imogen, who was the rave correspondent for The Independent. <laughs> um, I never used to go because I would sweat. And then, of course, my baldness would show. And yeah. so there was just that was just off the table. Yes, and I bet you never went swimming. Wow, right? so that was really what your thought process yes. was doing. Oh, you were saying, I'm not, I can't go dancing because of no. that. Because mm-hmm. if I dance for more than three seconds and get hot, then my hair will start to show. First thing you think about, last thing you think about. Yeah. It really plays on your mind. Because the thing is... The worst thing about it is, I think, is that it's, well, A, it's on your head, so you can't really avoid it. And it's not as though you can hide it. You know, it's not an area of your body that remains hidden. But also, it's not life-threatening. So you feel Mm. really guilty about being so upset about it because you think, well, there's lots of people walking around with really serious problems and I'm just a bit bald. I mean, for God's sake, you know, is it really that big a deal? It isn't life-threatening, but it does threaten your way of life. I mean, I think it does, and I think it really affects your mental health, and it certainly did affect Without mine. a doubt. You're completely correct that way. In every way, Yes, I think if goes. some people might think it's sort of a vanity, yeah. do you mm. know what I mean, the idea that you're worried about it, but in fact, that is absolutely not the case. And it's interesting that when you talk to, because obviously you deal with lots of cancer patients who lose their hair, but it's yeah. interesting when we talk to cancer patients, ladies, they often say that, Losing the hair is almost the worst part it's of the It's the first treatment. thing they think about. Yeah. I, I remember talking to a nurse and she said predominantly the first thing that girls ask when they realise they're going to have to have treatment mm. is what's going to happen to my hair? Mm. And the doctor, one particular doctor, just said, oh, for goodness sake, this is about your life. And she said, it is my life. Mm. You're talking about, and, and she's a nurse that came to me about something else, and she said he just didn't get mm. it at all. No. No, they just don't. They absolutely don't. And you can see why. They're medical professionals and they're just thinking, oh, you you know, you've got a serious illness and you're worrying about your hair. But it is interesting and how much hair really does matter for women. Mm. Well, it frames your face, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like having a picture up on a wall, yeah. a master with no frame on it. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, for example, I wouldn't have the courage to go on TV or anything if I didn't have the hair that, I, I that you've given that young, me. Yeah, there, there's a young girl, Gail Porter, yes. Mm. Beautiful face. Beautiful girl, yeah. And I remember she did a programme and I just thought, you're missing a beat, Gail, mm. because she did a programme seeing this girl who had hundreds of wigs mm. and she was trying them on and looking lovely. And having lost all her hair was her USB, mm. isn't it? You mm. know, getting on telly and stuff like that. That's what it was. And I used to think, I think you're missing a beat, you mm. know, darling. If you tried a different wig on and every time you went out and stood in front of those mm. things, that events that you have, people would be rushing to take your yeah, face Yeah, and out. I think that's interesting. I, I used to feel before I had the system that I have now, which I love, I used to feel that I was being dishonest if I wore a hairpiece. It was a bit like 
I was wearing... Faking it. Yes, exactly. Mm. And you're not a fake person. I I had a real barrier to it because of that. Yes, In actual fact, you know, it's the opposite. But it's it's like saying, well, I wear glasses because I can't see your Yeah, well, I do. And... I'm, I'm, the thing about me is I'm incredibly short-sighted, quite overweight, and I don't have any hair, so I'm basically blind, fat and bald. <laughs> you certainly don't come over that way at all. <laughs> so in, a, in the natural world, I'm basically mole. <laughs> oh, that's do you remember Mo Moland who whipped off her yes, hair? Yes, I always yes. remember her. I, was so, I mean, I was so proud her of her. So yeah. much. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, that woman's got... Yeah. Oh, Imogen, I, I, I I'm sorry, Imogen, you feel a bit left out because you've got lots of hair, so you can't really... Just... No, well... You did no, lose your hair a bit, know, didn't you, after you had the babies? Yes, I did, yes. And I went to Lucinda's and you put some fantastic hair extensions right in at the front of my hair. <laughs> Great. Uh, which were very good, very good. And they lasted a very long time. They were fantastic. Yeah, the... But you do different types of techniques for different problems don't you so you do the mesh yeah they're all extensions and yeah. right in the very beginning I wanted extensions for me mm. I thought it was a miracle I wanted to learn all the different things that were out there back 40 odd years ago it wasn't much and I knew immediately I couldn't do this to my hair I'd have no hair left I didn't and yeah. I'd have to moderate it somehow and then just create my own designs but um, it's boring just doing short to long short to long mm. for you know, girls allowed or, or whoever was in the know at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the main thing to me is they're all extensions because they're extending your hair yeah. one way or another. Yeah. How you do that. Well, sort of augmentation really, aren't it? It's yes. hair augmentation. Hair augmentation is a very yeah. posh word. That's very but posh. hair extensions was really in yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I have a very young girls coming. I spoke to a girl the other day who's now 18. I met her mother in, in the bar at yeah. the studio. And uh, she said, oh, She's been coming since she was 11. So I went to see her and I said, oh, you're such a lucky sausage. You haven't gone through all of this. You've got your teens in front of you and you're all extensions and you're out there. And so sweet to see that kind of meaning. And Alicia, one of our girls, who's not private at all, she came at 10 and absolutely hated it completely and ran away from home. Why did she come at 10? Because her hair fell out at 10. Her hair fell out, you know, vastly. And her parents brought her to me at the age of 10. Mm. And we did an interlace. And then the mother phoned me frantically and said she'd run away from home because <gasps> she was so distressed about it mm. and hated it and this, that and the other. Yeah. And I was very busy at the time. And I said, well, I can't do a thing today because I'm going to be working till 10 o'clock tonight. But if you come at 6 or 7 yeah. tomorrow all the way from we'll Kent, I'll do it myself. I'll take it all apart. And and when she walked in, she's a sweet and shy girl. She's an amazing girl, woman now. Yeah. She walked in and I, I said, it has to all be washed, otherwise I can't yeah. take it apart. So she, I washed it and I was talking nonstop, which isn't yeah. difficult for me as we know. And I was blow drying this hair everywhere and it was looking gorgeous and fluffy and soft. And then I took up the heat equipment to undo it. I knew exactly what she'd do. And she went, oh! Don't touch my hair. Mm. And it was instantly her hair. And so she then kept it. Forever. I mean, it did it did take me a while to get used to it. I mean, one of the worst times for me was lockdown. Oh. You were shut down during Yes, uh, we were. And you had people who were desperate. Oh, didn't I you? was talking daily. I had girls on the phone crying. One girl said, I don't want to live. And I'm like, oh, don't be silly. This will all be over and done with in no time. And do this. And I was, and we, I did so much FaceTime. It really, oh. you know, because I'm not, my technical abilities are virtually underwhelming, to say the, mm. politely. And I got to FaceTime people and 
talked them through and How to got deal scarves. Yeah. And I said, no, now if you bring it forward yeah. and you do this and you tie it there and, and just lift that up and clip that, you yeah. know, and I was showing and demonstrating. And I had a, one lady who said to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. My husband doesn't even know. I know. Can you imagine? Didn't even know. And they'd be married 10 years. <laughs> and he didn't know. He just knew not to touch her hair. Like, you do learn tricks, you know, yeah. for instance, if you're wearing... Back in the day, it's hopefully not the same for all girls now. If somebody came towards to hug me, I'd be terrified they that they, they'll it. grab my hair and move things. So I learned to put my arms straight up to the sky so they had to go <laughs> behind and underneath me and then I could do, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. And you learn all the tricks of the trade. And, and I was saying, she said, but my husband, you know, what if he touches my hair? I just said, back in the day, I said, well, just say my hair's absolutely persona non grata. You cannot yeah. touch my hair. No women like it. Yeah. You know, and then they have these fantasies that women love having their hair pulled. Well, some do, I'm sure, but, you know, we can disencourage that. <laughs> yes, definitely. No, don't touch the hair. Well, thank you, Lucinda. Imogen, I'm sorry, we've really cut you out of this discussion. I'm, I feel quite bad, actually. <laughs> Poor Imogen. Well, you're the one with hair, Imogen. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I, well, yes, actually, look at, looking at mine, significantly less now, actually. So admit, yeah, but you've got plenty of it. But age, isn't it? Plenty of it. And on top of that, we're faked up. Yeah. <laughs> You're unnatural. Yeah, you would survive in the wild, whereas I would not survive in the wild. Well, I would, but it wouldn't look very nice. It's a big emotion. <laughs> it is a big so emotional uh, issue and one could talk about it for days. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Lucinda. Thank that you for lovely. inviting me. Thank you. Nice to see you again, Imid. If you'd like to find out more about Lucinda's work, you can visit her website, lucindaellery.com, and we will put a link in the show notes. Now we're joined by Kelly Morrill, a qualified scalp micropigmentation technician and aesthetic practitioner with decades of experience. Kelly is the founder of Scalp Confidential, a company that brings together a number of experts and techniques to tackle hair loss in a holistic way. And she joins us now. So what can people do now? Because things have really changed, haven't they, in the last, what, even 10 years, I'd say. Yes, it certainly has come a long way, thank goodness. There's still a long way to go as far as hair restoration and treatments for ladies are concerned. I think as ladies, our causes are much more complex. Certainly with the people that I see, when they present in clinic, there's more than one underlying cause, but there is right. a lot more that can be done. What do the causes tend to be in women of hair loss? We've got, obviously, that really is H-word, hormones, birth control pills, menopause, pregnancy, um, hormonal issues, stress, bereavement, anxiety, overly processing and styling the hair, so constantly dying and chemically styling. Medications, a lot of medications, beta blockers, cholesterol meds, blood thinning meds, um, thyroid conditions, and also some thyroid medications. So I, so I have an underactive thyroid. So an underlying thyroid condition will definitely not help. It's some, and it's something that you, unfortunately, it's not a quick cure. It's more of a, a long-term mm. So you suffer from hair loss and then some of the medications can cause hair loss. I mean, if mm. there's anyone listening who thinks that their hair loss might be due to starting a new medication, then you could mm. ask the GP from Turner's if it's safe mm. to do so and then it's available. But yeah, that's not good because the thyroid condition itself doesn't help with hair and then medication mm. for it also yeah um so medications autoimmune disease there's the female pattern hair loss which is hereditary hereditary so can't get rid of that one and um, covid is a big thing at the moment people um coming with covid really? hair loss i think because covid is the thing of the day but it's any deep kind of illness post-viral basically so post -viral, so something any, yes any 
a sickness or it's really taking out of you. Whereas with men, it tends to just be hereditary, doesn't it? Yeah. And pretty sort of straightforward. And the other problem, I think, with men versus women when it comes to hair loss is that it doesn't take a lot of hair replacement for a man's hair to look good because they tend to wear their hair very, very short. But if you're a woman and you want to get a sort of decent level of coverage, it's much harder. So like, for example, yeah. I've got very good, I'm always being told I've got lots of donor hair, but at the back of my neck and at the back of my head, it's still very thick. But I was told by several hair transplant people I've spoken to that they just, I, they'd have to do three or four transplants to get any sort of decent coverage. So it's difficult. I mean, the surgeons that I work with where I'm here in London do see ladies but yeah I mean because the way it affects the hair I think we're very lucky because a lot of ladies thin all over and can thin mm. lots at the back with men it tends to be they keep the back and the sides unless they've left it really too late and they've thinned an awful lot they normally have good donor area so you're very fortunate which is good to hear mm. but um they thin all over therefore they're not good candidates so it can be sometimes as low as at one in 40 or one in 50 ladies suitable mm. and then decide to go ahead and have it done. And what about things like minoxidil? Because that sort of came out when I was about 30 and I tried using that. It didn't really seem to make a difference to me. But is that still a thing? I mean, I, I went to see a chap called Philip Kingsley, who's now very sadly dead. And he, he gave me... He gave me minoxidil and he gave me lots of vitamins to take. He said I had low iron, I had low B12 and all of this kind of stuff. Is that still current medicine? Yes. Is that still good practice? Or Yeah, vitamin and mineral deficiencies as definitely so iron, B12, vitamin D, etc. Mm. The minoxidil is normally the first thing that people go to. Some of the mm. things that GPs would suggest trying. You can get it from... See from pharmacies, etc. So it's normally the first call to call. It doesn't work for everyone. For some people, it will work to a certain level, and then mm. eighteen months, two years in, people come to say, "Oh, it was sort of working at first, and now, now it seems like it's kind of stopped working, or has slowed mm. out." And that can be for a few reasons. I think not everything. This is why I find the whole world of hair and hair loss so fascinating. Is that it's so unique. Every everyone's journey is so unique. Some people are distraught from day one. Other people, you know, it takes them a long time to kind of seek help. But the sooner you start looking into a solution, the better. Yes, because one thing we do know is that, I mean, I certainly know this from my experience, which is that the longer you have the hair loss for, I mean, eventually the hair follicles just die, don't they? It's certainly, I would say, better to get a good management plan in place the sooner you seek help. So I think mm. in my my biggest take-home message today is if you feel mm. that you're shedding too much or your hair is thinning or your scalp is more visible or your pony mm. seems thinner or for whatever reason you're, you know, you feel that you're, you've got a, a hair loss problem, is seek help from somebody sooner or mm. later. Because it is progressive, isn't it, really? It and is. doesn't get any better with age. Unless it's from, so people always, I think, come in looking for a cure as well, like especially a quick cure, <laughs> an overnight, yeah. which doesn't exist, sadly. And the longer you leave it, the more expensive it becomes and I think the fewer options available. Transplant is one for sure. Yeah. We have PRP, platelet-rich plasma yeah. therapy. That is yes. the that a lot of practitioners use for hair loss. There are alternatives to using your own blood. So there are different brands out there. Why One of my number one hero products is something called Callicin, which stimulates the cell division and cell proliferation and 
allows the hair to play more useful. Mm. It is good in periods of stress, illness like COVID. And to some degree, it can help with other hair thinning conditions. But again, mm. I think the earlier, the better. But like anything, it's more long-term management and maintenance involved. Somebody said to me that they're having a lot of success with a microneedling and exosomes. Yeah. Same kind of thing. So there's different brands out there, but the way we get into the scalp is just infusing it with mm. microneedling. Gross factors, basically. <laughs> and yeah. I think if you've got hair thinning already, your hair's very fragile, rolling it in is just not going to help. It's not great. <laughs> But yeah, it's not a great idea. And what about um, micropigmentation? Because I always felt that if I had been able to tattoo my hair on when I didn't have my hair piece and I had my own hair, it was just very sparse. My hair is also very, very dark. And so the thing is, you could always see the scalp. So you basically just colour it in like a like with a Sharpie. <laughs> we tattoo like a medical grade ink over the areas of concern and kind of blend it into your head. But mm. there are tiny dots that you mm. come in several weeks apart over about three or four sessions, and mm. you, since you just layer on dots after dots, you cover the area and let that settle and heal, come in again, layer it over with tiny dots, and you build it up slowly, slowly. So it's a process, and you mm. certainly do see an immediate improvement and effect straight away, but it's after the second session that you think, okay, mm. this is... And is that a popular treatment? Is it very popular with men? It's extremely popular with men, but I'd say that I get ladies in. Imogen, you've been very quiet over there in Ibiza. Have you got any questions? I just wanted to ask if there's anything you can eat to make your hair better, because he's talking about lots of different treatments. Mm. The idea that, you know, some spinach or an apple or, I mean, something, surely nutrition has got something to do with it. Definitely. And I think, touching on what you said earlier, Sarah, about the vitamins and the supplements, so a good, healthy, balanced diet for sure, because malnutrition... And a poor diet definitely can add to the health. I mean, I remember when I went to see Philip Kingsley, I was, I think, in my 20s. And at the time, I was a vegetarian yeah. because I was trying to be, you know, cool and stuff. And he said, no, you absolutely can't be a vegetarian. You need to eat meat because you need things in meat that you just can't get from fish or whatever. Is that right? Because there are a lot of these very extreme diets around at the moment, aren't and, there? And veganism. Where I, and... I tell you that I'm actually vegetarian. and have... You are a vegetarian. <laughs> okay, so I can be a vegetarian and have hair. And um, <laughs> I've been vegetarian since I was about 14, so that's 40 years ago as well. So Maybe I just wasn't a very good vegetarian. It, it's, it was, <laughs> it's easier now to be vegetarian than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. That's for sure. The, the options available have definitely got better. So, yes, you know, spinach, leafy green vegetables, protein you know, fruits, everything. But, you know, it's like when people come in and, and they suggest, you know, they've heard about PRP and they're looking into PRP, you know, and it's just part of the whole kind of overall holistic process. If they eat a lot of junk food takeaways and they smoke, PRP is just horribly not going to work. The, my, you know, first line, because if you're not looking at extracting good quality proteins and stem cells and growth factors from your body, Mm. And you're not that healthy in the first place, and it's just a waste of time. And it, quite often people say, oh, we tried it, it doesn't work. Uh, one last question. How far off are we being able to just grow the stuff in a Petri dish and then just stitch it to my head? Because that's what I'd really like. i just like to be able to... <laughs> so like pop it on like a wig. Yes, you just grow a carpet. Like your own, just grow like a merkin. Yes, like a merkin. Just grow a carpet of it and then just stitch it on when I haven't got any. It'd be simple. Um, this is, this is going to sound, I mean, this is, sounds very sort of tongue-in-cheek, but actually you're probably onto something there. So there is... Ah! 
You are, you are. You've got inside information. <laughs> no, I don't. That's just my fantasy. So really, are they going uh, to do that? Not quite. So there is a, okay. a, a, um, calm a down. lab which are looking into being able to clone your hair. Yeah. So I think they've passed phase one, they at phase two of trials. So it's the idea that if you haven't got enough donor area, then yeah, yeah. clone your hair and then insert that. Yeah, so they could clone my hair and then they just have a big pile of it in the fridge. And then it just goes on. Job done. Anyway, well, thank you for that. Thank you very much for having me. If you'd like to find out more, visit scalpconfidential.co.uk and we will put a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening this week. If you enjoyed the show, try some of our other episodes available wherever you got this one. If you'd like to get in touch, tweet me at Westminster Wag. You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>